You are now listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Major Jobs Podcast. Today I got to talk with Ethan Lindenberger, who recently made waves on the media for um, testifying before Congress about vaccinations. And I wanted to do this interview with him because I really like thought it was really interesting and unique how a teenager was testifying before Congress. And I really wanted this to not be, uh, I really didn't want the focus of this to be about vaccinations because, uh, you know, that's like kind of getting into like politics and I, I don't want this podcast to be about politics. I wanted this to like focus on Ethan's, you know, personal attributes and traits and how he took advantage of his opportunities to get to where he is and just what he did to get to where he is today. And it was really interesting just getting to talk with Ethan learning about how he is in everyday life, what how his life has changed after talking to Congress, what he was like beforehand, and just like, you know, his goals and aspirations and stuff like that. So we had a really great conversation just talking about who he is. And I really want to thank Ethan for just letting me pick his brain a little bit and learn about what he is like. So I really want to thank Ethan for doing that. But without further ado, here's the interview. Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. All right. Thank you for doing How's it? This. Hey, no problem, man. How's it going? I'm good. Pretty nice talking to you. I've been seeing you all over the media for the past week, and <laughs> it's actually nice to like be able to talk to you. So I'll introduce myself. So I started this podcast where I talk to people with different jobs because I feel like teenagers today, it's kind of hard to find out like what you want to do in the future. So I just kind of wanted to help out. And this one is different. I, it's like a different segment of the podcast because I wanted to do teenagers that were like overachieving or like had some kind of like unique experiences. So far, I've got like a couple teenagers but I wanted to reach out to who, who you. Who have you spoken to? Who have you spoken to? I want to know some of the other outstanding teenagers. I've had one. He's like a programmer and he won like a congressional app challenge. And he went to like um, Congress to present his app. And there's another one. Um, he founded a company called Brew. And he was recently on Shark Tank and did a deal with Mark what Cuban. Whatever. Mark Cuban tweeted at me. That's all I can say. Which is a way actually? less cool. There's no way. No. Yeah. You're lying. Yeah, he did. No, I'm not lying. He did. Mark Cuban. He was like, "Way to go, Ethan!" I was like, "It's Mark Cuban." Oh shoot! Oh boy. <laughs> That's way less cool, though. Wait, what are some other tank. cool? What are some other cool people that like acknowledged you? Oh, like, it was him. Steve Silberman tweeted at me. Um, he's like an editor at Wired. Uh, uh, the CDC director tweeted at me. That was really cool. Oh, dang. I mean, he didn't tweet at me. He tweeted about me. So it was like Ethan Lindenberger is like a public health hero. And I was like, why didn't he plug my Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Well, it was pretty dope. Mark Cuban. Okay. So basically for people that don't know, um, Ethan talked in front of Congress recently. It was like based on vaccinations and uh basically he has been all over the media it's something that a teenager usually is does not do like typically i feel like teenagers aren't really in the media that much and then he kind of just like changed it and 
he's on the media so i just kind of want to i guess pick into the brain of ethan to see like what he does differently than other teenagers and what is like unique about him <laughs> that made him go that made him go all the way here so uh to start off you made a reddit post and it went to the front page and then media started picking it up so i i guess like normally when one like normally gets um a popular post they wouldn't embrace the media like that but you kind of like did stories for the media and you kind of did stories for the news so uh why did you do that and like why didn't you just like disregard them yeah so the way it played out was really interesting and a lot of people don't understand that my whole like viral media presence did not happen overnight um the the reddit post was made in november right and it was late november i made this post that hit the front page and it died after a few hours and it kind of just dwindled down um and it wasn't even huge on the front page. It had like 20,000 upvotes around. And you have things reaching the front page that have like 80,000, 90,000 that are huge. So nothing happened for two months. You know, I that post went viral and people answered my questions. I made my appointment to go get my vaccines, which if people don't understand like what the post was about, it was on a subreddit that was about asking just any question you want. And it for me, it was I've grown up, you know, never received a bunch of my vaccines now that I'm 18 you know where do I go can I get my vaccines now I, I think I understand all the research so I want them and uh you know once I got those answers I went and got my vaccines later in December um it wasn't until late January I got um a reporter that contacted me and it was just one small reporter um that was like hey I'm searching through reddit trying to do a story about how kids are turning to the internet for advice on getting vaccinated and it was it was really interesting because for me uh, I was just like, yeah, that sounds great. And she interviewed this interviewer. It's like it was uh, from Undark magazine. Was the first article written. It was called "Growing." It's called "Coming of Age Unvaccinated." And it was really, really well written. But it stud It actually looked at like four kids. It looked at four different teenagers. I wasn't like the only person interviewed, and um, I was the only one that was transparent with my name and my face and my family. Um, and I, I, I even told my mom, who's anti-vax and was a big part of the story that I was talking to a supporter and she wanted to also interview my mom and my mom was like, yeah, sure. Um, and that was it. It just was a small thing. And the thing that made it blow up was for me, I was the only kid that wasn't like remaining anonymous. And so the article focused largely around my story. And my mom also said some kind of questionable things during her interview where she was like, his decision to get vaccinated was like spit in my face and him slapping me and being like, you don't know anything. And um, NPR, NPR got a hold of that. It was, I think they saw controversy there. They saw a story. And that, that's kind of why it blew up, I think. Because NPR got a hold of it. Then Washington Post contacted me. and I was like, So um, at that point, it kind of explodes. And I didn't, I didn't know what was up and down at that point because it was one small interview and then NPR's contacting me like, what's going on with this? And then next thing you know, the freaking post is like, oh, Ethan, we want to talk to you. So um, at that point, it just went crazy. And I think a lot of kids have this, this I think a lot of change, especially because they understand how the internet works. You'd think, oh, your post goes viral and then the next morning you're on the news, which mm -hmm. isn't how it happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, I think, was it like a coincidence that you're also really articulate 
you can make your points out really nicely you know you can talk really nicely you're like intelligent so was that a factor into like why the media chose you as the person to report about well first thank you i <laughs> i um it's a uh, it's i think that that's an, an attribute to it because the thing for me is that um, I understand that this story probably carried itself because of the controversy, because of the whole son versus mother story element, and and because of the timing too. You know, um, mm-hmm. we have you know the measles outbreak was a huge mm-hmm. concern already in the media, and then my story comes along. So I think that kind of played into it. But obviously, no one's going to want to do a live interview if I'm stumbling over my words. Like, uh, so I mean, for I think that's part of it. Um, and I, and also for me, like I've led a debate club at my school for almost three years. Um, and I have always tried to, um, I've always been very interpersonal. I've served at my church for almost like seven years and I've loved public speaking. You know, I want to go into ministry as a Christian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it, it kind of was a coincidence that my, um, my experiences and my pursuits were preparing me for a public speaking platform and then this kind of came came along and fell in my lap yeah so something you've never expected but i guess it was kind of like fate that just put you in that position yeah and and i've always said that like my skills are not to glorify that scenes you know for me it's like i want to go into ministry because i have a very strong faith and i want to glorify what i believe god's given me abilities and gifts for but this is something that i think is you know just as anything i ever speak towards so i'm glad to, to take that platform um and also for me like that i think that gave me a little more courage to kind of pursue it because i wasn't like this random kid who's never spoken in front of a crowd um and i think that you probably see that with a lot of kids that enter the media i mean you probably look at someone like david hogg and he probably that wasn't his first time getting on stage Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i guess i kind of shift it to like a different different topic so before that i guess what were you like in school were you like outgoing and you know really charismatic and i don't know just like or just like a normal teenager like what would you say <laughs> it was funny with with school before yeah, I'm like, i was i mean i was just like a random person that kind of just floated through the halls i mean i did my thing and that was it because the thing is, I invest so much time into other projects. Um, I have invested almost all my time into my church and volunteering there. Uh, I work, I have a part-time job. And I also, like, I work on writing a lot. I mean, I recently wrote a book I'm getting ready to publish because I've, I've been writing a book since, like, September. And, yeah, I mean, I've been writing it for almost five months. And um, so I, I spend a lot of my time on projects and stuff that I want to actually, like, work towards and, and give out, like, publicly and, and actually have something to say, to, like, put to my name. Um, where a lot of kids just kind of spend their time it's either with sports or partying or working and that's mm-hmm. it um or mm-hmm. friends exactly so I mean, yeah and i just I, I had a really small friend group even still now i have a really small friend group and a lot of people were really blindsided by like what kind of happened with me um because i was just just a random person who didn't really kind of go out of his way to talk to people um if i did though i mean i had really strong i had really strong friendships with a few people i had around me um but I wouldn't go out of my way to be like that random guy who bursts through the room and be like, hey, I'm the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not that kind of person. So how would you say your school life has changed since all this has happened? <laughs> I get a lot of crap from people. Oh, my gosh. It's insane. It's so funny. 
um, a lot of people like so far have been like, why is he even on? Why is, this, why is this even blowing up? And so a lot of people have been very critical of it. Really? I mean, I even heard that from some of my family. So my family was like, your story is not that important. You're just a random kid. It's like something responsible for himself. Right. You just like responsible and that's the end of it. Like you got vaccinated. Who cares? Someone else probably got vaccinated in the same exact situation as you, but they're not famous. And I think, I think that there is some merit to that in the sense that I'm not like, I always go back to like David Hogg because he was my age when he blew up. The dude survived like a school shooting and he has a really deep personal experience that's unique to him. Um, and for me, like I was in a situation that it is unique, but like not unheard of. And just me taking the platform and just kind of running with it, I guess you could say, um, just kind of allowed it to blow up. And a lot of my friends just see it as like a really fluke thing. Um, or not a lot of my friends, a lot of people at school. And what's funny is that a lot of people I do know personally know that I'm not arrogant or pompous about the situation. And it's really funny how that plays out, too. Because when I came back from D.C., everyone was asking me questions. Everyone was freaking out. Mm -hmm. And people were even, like, joking about how my government teacher was showing the committee hearing (laughs) in front of his class. And they're like, why are we – what is going on? Like, some people don't even know what was going on. Um, And, like, I actually was on CNN Uh, Sunday morning. uh and I came to school on Monday. So my friend, my friend Zach, who um, he's kind of a big guy, he plays sports, was telling me how he was working out at this gym he <laughs> he lifts at, and he's like, "I'm lifting weights, and I see your stupid face <laughs> on the TV." And I'm like, "It's too early for this." <laughs> so a lot of people have been very, uh, like a lot of people I know personally, you uh-huh. know, that actually understand who I am as a person. I'm not like that just stupid guy who's craving for attention, who found himself in this this limelight and is making sure everyone knows. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that understand me are like, just they think it's just hilarious. Mm-hmm. And so it depends because I've heard so many people being like, oh, just whatever. Because um, there's also probably a jealousy element to it, yeah. too. Where like these people have no idea who I am and I'm plastered yeah. over the media. So, yeah. So, so do you think like, I don't know, you get like back talking or like people look at you differently? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, it's something to where like, there, a lot of my peers were asking me questions when I was going through school for the first few days. I mean, even recently, I mean, today, I mean, just a, just a week ago, I gave them my testimony. Uh-huh. Um, I'm still hearing people talk about it, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I, I, there are there's some criticism from people that don't know me, and that's fine. Because a lot of my friends, because I'm mm-hmm. a very particular person with who I spend time mm-hmm. with, a lot of my friends are the kind of people that have straight up told me, like, I look at you. In a single different way, you know, you are the same exact mm-hmm. person to me, and I do not care that mm-hmm. this happened. Um, so it doesn't bother me with any backlash that happens, but it definitely does happen mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, what kind of criticism do people give to you? I can't like, I don't know, what do they kind of say? Yeah, I mean, it's mainly just again, it's like you should, really this is not news. I don't know why this is news. Um, I mean, even what's funny too is outside of my peers, right? I volunteer at, at a church, and I've been volunteering there for a long time. Um, there were people in my church that went really far with it that were like anti-vax and they were like, it, there was even, there's a woman I personally knew um, that I actually would hang out with her family and her husband and like, you know, they were mentors to my, his, um, this lady's husband, this lady's husband actually was in a small group I was a part of for, for young men like, and fathers and just kind of coming alongside and learning about, you know, Jesus and stuff. Um, this lady straight up was like, you are going to be used by the media to take away parents' rights and you are big pharma's pushing to like give kids autism and just wild claims. And, and it was, it was just insane. And, um, she was telling me all of the arguments I've heard before. And she was like, you will look back 10 years from now and feel such a deep regret for what you're doing. And I was just like, Whoa, 
So, I mean, outside of my peers at school, I mean, there are people at my church that were wildly upset. And that was really interesting. Uh, I kind of want to talk about the process. So the person contacts you from the magazine, then NPR picks it up, and then the Post picks it up. And then you're on GMA? Is that where you want? Yeah, I mean, so, so what's funny with that was that I went on I went on the Washington Post on like a Friday afternoon, right? And I actually still have the text messages between me and my cousin who is sending me screenshots of the Washington Post where it was like their top trending stories column on the right side of, the, of their browser. And mine was like number one in their top trending stories. And she was like, what is going on? I'm like, I don't know. And uh, on that following Monday, um, I had a, I had an interview with uh, Fox and Friends um, in Cleveland. So I live like an hour south of Cleveland. I drive to Cleveland. We do this interview, go back home, and school gets canceled. Because I'm still a senior in high school. School gets canceled. Tired day. I have nothing to do. So I'm like, I'm just going to do interviews. And it's just insane. I probably did close to 30 interviews that, that one day after I went on Fox. Um, I did five live interviews that day. Probably close to more than twenty uh, phone interviews and Skype calls. It was just—it was absolutely ludicrous. I was doing interviews for almost nine straight hours, and um, I GMA was one of them that I talked to that day. I, it was um, GMA, Fox Eight, um, Fox and Friends that morning, um, NBC, and then MSNBC. Um, so I talked to all of them live interviews, and it was—it was. I I would never if I never see a camera again in my life, I will I will not feel any sadness because it takes so long to do live interviews. Um, and the, the, I did so many phone calls. I was like, even the BBC contacted me that day. Uh-huh. And my, my pastor was with me and he was like, what is going on? <laughs> and it was just wild. So it was like, I think the thing with Fox and Friends was that the story had already kind of circulated around the post and probably some other uh-huh. news sites. And then once I did a live interview and people saw that like I wasn't this blundering teenager who had no public uh-huh, speaking uh-huh. skills, it just went, it, the bubble burst at that point and it just went crazy. Wow. So. Um, you know, since then, I mean, it was the same thing. It would dip a little bit. I get another big interview and then I do 15 more and then like they would dip a little Mm -hmm. bit. And the next thing I know, the Senate's contacting me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's talk about that. So how did you like prepare for that? And what was actually, what was it like actually doing it? It was, it was, it was dumb. Dumb? It was so insane. And it was insane because people, I, I think a lot of people have this concept that interviews and committees and these hearings and and all this like professional stuff just kind of falls into place and it does not it is usually just people running around getting things together last minute and it goes crazy um for live interviews you know they say they're going to be there at 8 30 usually they're like 8 15 and they're like scrambling to get their camera set up and then you sit down you're waiting and they're adjusting their lights or adjusting where you're sitting they're adjusting your your, your clothes and then they're like okay well um can you repeat that statement? That didn't sound right. And then all this kind of stuff. It, goes, it takes for like an hour for like a two minute segment. Um, so for for the committee hearing, it was the same exact way. It was so much going on at once. I got contacted to be at DC only a week before the, the committee took place, this hearing took place. So I was contacted two weeks ago um, today, two weeks ago from today. And they, uh, I was talking to a staff worker for um, Senator Lamar who is the chairman of the committee and the staff worker was like, Hey, we want to have you on as witness. Like, can you jump on a call so we can talk, um, have a conference call with some of my coworkers and we'll see if we want to have you on. And I do this conference call. He asked me some basic questions that are going to be similar to the one senators will probably ask and what they're kind of wanting to get out of me for my testimony. Um, and they contacted me and they're like, Hey, we want to have you on. Can you, can you come with, can you 
um, to DC. And originally they're like, we cannot pay for anything. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like, excuse me. And I had to get in contact with their finance uh-huh. managers to make sure that I could get my flight and everything compensated, which it was. Um, it just took a while for me to get in contact with them. So I had to contact people to make sure I was not wasting money to get there. Uh-huh. Um, and I go to DC actually, um, my whole flight and my hotel changed the day before yeah. because a family member posted my itinerary, my schedule on, on Facebook. Uh... <laughs> so the day before we had to, to change everything, the whole game plan had to be altered. And it, it was just, it was, it was one thing after another. So we, everything got worked out and I was sending emails back and forth the entire weekend, making sure everything got planned out. My, my oral and my written testimony needed to be finished, obviously, before I went to D.C. And the written testimony was the most important part because that's the actual, like, submitted, sub- submitted uh, project you send. So you, you write your written testimony, you send it to the, the, the senators, and they end up publishing it after the committee hearing takes place. And it was about three pages long, and I think it's already online. Um, so I had worked on that, like, almost all day the Saturday before I went and I had to also change the oral testimony was only five minutes. So you had to take that content and narrow it down, which I think a lot of people that don't do a lot of public speaking go five minutes is a lot of time. And that's not a lot of time you get through nothing in five minutes. And so I had to get all my points, my main ideas and condense them. And I had no time to do this. Obviously like I, I was getting my suit together on that Sunday. I mean, I was going crazy. Um, and it, it, so much went into it, you know, uh, once I got there, they still had to do all these meetings and make sure everything was working. Um, even when I got to D.C., they had an intern show me around the office building where the committee hearing was going to take place. We had uh, um, Capitol Hill police like escorting me everywhere. So it, it was just... Uh, what was it like actually presenting in front of Congress? Like, were they intimidating or were they like, you know... Were yeah, they nice? yeah. No, it was it was intimidating going into it because the thing was um, when we actually went to the committee hearing, I had I had a couple staff members of the committee that were helping me get through all the traffic and getting there and going to my hotel. Like they had people kind of making sure I wasn't just blindly making my way through DC. Um, when we got to the office building, again, it's public office; anyone can show up. There were hundreds of protesters, and if you, I, 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 there's some videos on Facebook that I was finding and some pictures are circling of the protesters, but nothing could describe. It was a full hallway of just at least like 200 people. It was, it was insane. And they had three, they had three rooms total being filled the main room and two overflow rooms. And each could see, I think 80 people. So that was already crazy. I mean, they had that many people and people in the hallway. Um, so they had to like get me into the building through all this weird roundabout ways. So we avoid a lot of people. And when we got to the office, like building the section of the office where they're going to have the community hearing take place, we had like, maybe about half an hour to an hour before it started. So I hadn't even like looked at my testimony before I got up wow. there. So I had to print it off, go through it, like go through one practice run to make sure I was ready. Um, and you know, the senators are all there and you had the rooms are filled. You have reporters everywhere. And even like my brother Noah was came to DC with me and he sat right behind me. Um, he told me that some of the staffers were talking to the press and some of these press were like, oh, who should we have our cameras on? And they were like, Ethan. And so every single press guy, every single photographer had all their cameras on me. And so, like, usually it doesn't bother me, but, like, yeah. that much. I mean, every single move I made was being, like, I heard click, 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 click. And so it's just like, oh, this is yeah. awful. I mean, it was, and all, and 
even like there were senators that I recognized I had been following for uh-huh. a while that I was like, even when Senator Alexander came around and shook my hand I was like about to just cry I was like hello <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was just it was wild wow. and so going into it, I had this paper in front of me and what's funny is people were like oh he had his script in front of him and it's like that was my testimony you dummy and so it's like I I, I gave the testimony like you know and and I saw as like each witness one by like one one at a time like did their testimony, mm-hmm. and it came all the way down the the table to me. And so I was just waiting there watching for twenty five minutes, mm-hmm. and I was the last person to go. So it was a ton of pressure. Wow. Um, and for me, usually I'm I'm very confident and I can just speak very clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but for that, I was, was I had to really like concentrate and be like focus. We can do this. And so. Wow. Um, I mean, I was happy with the way it turned out, but it was it was insane. I mean, I was it was so much like in terms of just preparation, getting there, giving the testimony, um, and it was just you you was like a chicken with its head cut off. Like I was running around everywhere. Wow. So we heard about how you rose up and what the process is like with the media and with Congress. So now I want to kind of talk about the future instead of the present. Like, what are like your plans for the future? Yeah. Uh, um, so for like this uh, Senate hearing and everything, I mean that that reignited the story, mm-hmm. and a lot of press was picking it up, obviously, and and I had a lot of people contacting me. So as of right now, I'm speaking at like three or four different conferences throughout the summer, wow. and yeah, I'm going to um, Iowa, New York. I'm going to DC again, I think, somewhere else. Um, I have to. I think that's. I think there's another conference I'm still waiting to hear back from, and that's as of right now. I was talking to um, this pro vaccine, uh, um, like, uh, woman that, that I've been in contact with, who kind of has been getting me these contacts of these committees and and uh, hearings and um, and all these events. And she was saying there's probably be a lot more coming up soon. So as of right now, I mean, I'm probably going across the entire country over the summer and doing all these different events and speaking, which I'm totally excited for. Um, I won't give too many details right now. I'm working on a couple different big things. I'm mm-hmm. trying to get a TED Talk going. Wow. I'm, I'm, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's gonna happen. I'm trying Ooh. my best to make that happen, but that'd be really cool. So, um, Ellen, you know, stuff like that. You know, uh, yes, Ellen. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know if that would happen, but that'd be cool. Uh, I was invited on Dr. Phil, but I turned that really? down. Really? So you, that was you turned that yeah. down. Yeah, because Dr. Phil's just controversy. That's I'm true. not. I'm yeah. not trying to. I don't want my mom to be sent to the ranch. Like <laughs> we'll pass that up. But um, I mean, I for me, dude, I, I'm still like the same guy I was before. So I'm still wanting to go into ministry. I'll probably still go to the same school. Um, I mean, it. It's just a matter of like this is like one stepping stone uh-huh. in my life that that isn't going to change the rest of uh-huh. my path. But it's been really exciting. So I'm glad to see kind of how it's played out mm-hmm. and where it's going. And like. Uh... Are you, I know you're a senior, are you going to college or is there like a gap year or something? Yeah, so for, for a lot of people don't understand that for ministry, usually you assume you have to go to like a private Christian school, but uh, there's also uh, Bible colleges that are really cheap that just focus on uh, certain biblical degrees. So I'm probably going to this Bible college called uh, Calvary Chapel, I think it's in Tennessee, and it's like six grand a year. It's super cheap. Uh, so I'm going to that for an associates in Christian ministry. And that's kind of my plan, just to get that, get into a church, start doing that, and still doing advocacy stuff as much as I can. Um, and I think that's where I'm going to be, you know, for for at least a while. Um, I'm tossing around the idea of eventually going into politics, but that's way down the line. Mm. So, like, what would you say your dream job would be? 
Uh, my dream job absolutely would be working as like a representative or senator while still working in, in a ministry to a small capacity. Um, like if I could teach, you know, at a Sunday at a church and for the rest of my time be working as like a senator representative, that would be like my dream job because I would love to work into politics, but still pursue that avenue of ministry. And I think that also do well, like in a political setting, because that does also speak well to most of most communities of Christians because they're like, oh, this guy's a pastor. Obviously, he's not going to be like, you know, evil or anything. So um, that would be like my dream situation like that. If I could get there, I mean, oh, I'd be so cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I don't want to take too much of your time anymore. Just like how <laughs> you, you know, how you were handed the opportunity, how you took advantage of it and, you know, like where you got from that. So I really want to thank you for doing this. Definitely an extremely yeah, unique experience for a teenager. And I think a lot of people are going to enjoy your story and what you said today. So I really want to thank you for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, man. All right. Um, well, that's going to do it. You can, I don't know, what can you plug? Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, I have my Twitter and that's just my name, Ethan Lonenberger. Uh, you can find like my Facebook under the same name. Uh, so right now I'm working on a website I'll probably be sharing around that will kind of keep my... Um, my appearance is on one place. So I'm not just flooding people's feed mm-hmm. with it. So um, I'm working on that, and uh, I'll be announcing that soon. The only other thing that I'm working on is my book, which I'm going to be publishing on uh, the 23rd of this month. Mm. So What's it called? That's the other thing. It's called 10,000 Words of Silence. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, so it's, it's a book on youth ministry. And because I've started youth ministry for you know almost my entire time with my church, and it's just all about making it effective and kind of uh, filling those potholes that a lot of people have have been avoiding. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's a huge passion of mine. I'm looking forward to sharing that. All right. Well, that's Ethan Lindenberger. Thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And that's gonna do it for the interview with Ethan Lindenberger. Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. I know I learned a lot from my talk with him. I hope you did. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm trying to do more on that. It's at Major Jobs Podcast. My Twitter is Major Jobs Pod, and I just opened a website at MajorJobsPodcast.com. Uh, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. I have a lot of interesting careers coming up. And uh, before I end this one, I just want to give a huge thank you to Ethan again because he really did give you know some new insight into different things. What is it, what is it like uh, testifying before Congress? What's it like being the center of the media for a, a week? What's it like in, uh, getting interviewed by the news and you know being media's number one person for a whole week? You don't really get to talk to that many people that have that role. So I really just want to thank him for doing this podcast. And that's going to do it for this one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. If you liked it, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Major Jobs Podcast. If you have an interesting career and want to be featured on the show, send us an email at majorjobspodcast at gmail.com with your job title and college major if applicable. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not.